Hello, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. Thank you for joining us today on the topic, everyone's favorite, of everlasting punishment. We are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And we welcome you all very much. We'll start today with our morning prayer. Today I'm reading from Miscellany. Mrs. Eddie has some very beautiful excerpts there that I'll read. Page 245, 278 to 279. Let the voice of truth and love be heard above the diadem of mortal nothingness. And the majesty march of Christian science go on ad infinitum, praising God doing the works of primitive Christianity and enlightening the world. The government of divine love is supreme. Love rules the universe, and its edict has gone forth. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Let us have the molecule of faith that removes mountains, Faith armed with the understanding of love, as in divine sign, where right reigneth. God is Father, infinite, and this great truth, when understood in its divine metaphysics, will establish the brotherhood of man and wars and demonstrate on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Beautiful, thank you. All right, the watching point. Watch number 78. Watch lest you believe that the entire remedy for animal magnetism is to fight and cast out these mental suggestions that seem to be written on the inner wall of thought. The man in the Bible who slept and garnished his house after he had cast out the devil, had a return visit from Satan with seven friends. Why? Because he believed he had, a, he had a room in his mental house, which the devil had once occupied. Man must realize that because he is God's perfect child, he has no room reserved for evil and never has had. He must know that he is not receptive to erroneous suggestions, that he has no such capacity and never could have, that no subtlety of evil can render his thought receptive to aught but the ever-present thoughts of God, since there are no evil suggestions. In this way, he drives out the wasps and man burns their nest. Then they have nothing to come back to. <clears throat> Thank you. Okay, comments. Uh, I, I love this watch. I, I um, <clears throat> the last paragraph. Obviously, that we have no Man has no capacity to even receive an erroneous suggestion. We have to know that. And um, I, I've been learning 
here that we just have to claim our Christ consciousness. And that really does, you know, answer this. It just, there's no room in our Christ consciousness for, to hold any thought that isn't from God or to reflect it or to hold or be receptive to it. So I've been learning to do that more. (laughs) Good. Yeah. Thank you. I think it ties in nicely with last week too. You know, we talked about, you can't, you're not really destroying animal magnetism if you're only kind of going after the things that we don't like, you know, the, the sickness and the and the things that are uncomfortable to us, but then accepting matter, the kind of the quote unquote, the good parts or the things that we like. So if you have room for the good, even if you're not destroying this belief in, in matter, then you do kind of have a room left for the devil to return. Thank you. And don't we also have to see that no one ha- can hear those evil messages? Absolutely. Because yeah. that's what they claim, you know, in these yeah. mass shootout things. It's either mm-hmm. drugs or they are, you know, they're taking some kind of drug or they are, you know, not knowing who they are. They're in a state where they can pick up these erroneous mm-hmm. suggestions. And this this is really our our work in this. You know, it it is for ourselves, but this is also for everyone. And we know Mrs. Eddie said this was gonna happen. Um and Mrs. Evans used to talk about, you know, elf waves and directed when it is malicious mental malpractice to get people to think and say and do things they wouldn't ordinarily do. And it's We've read this, too, that it's why they want to get rid of Christian science, because as a Christian scientist, you should be invulnerable to those suggestions. They shouldn't they shouldn't plague you at all. You you declare every morning you're in the one mind. just as this watching point talks about. But we need to declare it for everyone vigorously all the time. And as I said last week, you know, these are testing times, trying times and. We must work all the more, all the more, for all mankind, everywhere. It's a wonderful thing to declare your oneness with God and to feel that one mind. I used to wonder that. How could you, how can you just be in the one mind? How can you have the mind of Christ? (laughs) But if if you're thinking happy, holy, loving, grateful thoughts, that's, that's the mind of Christ. If you're thinking resentful, hateful, grumpy, then you're not it's a carnal mind. So <clears throat> it's well worth it. Wonderful- Go ahead. There's a wonderful little paragraph on page 800, 813 in um, Eustace's book that I just read recently that I thought was very helpful with this, what we're talking about this week um, and this watching point. Um, It says, the fact that mind is all in all brings to light the proof that every error is always hypnotic suggestion. We are never going to help the world. We are never going to alleviate anything permanently and correctly unless we do it from that standpoint. That is what is meant by laying the axe 
at the root of the tree. Thank you. Mm. Eustace was, he was unequivocal about this. It was always malicious animal magnetism, no matter whatever happened. You always had to handle that. And throughout his book, he declares this. Um, and it's true. But we, we don't fear it, but we don't ignore it either. We, we acknowledge its claims. We denounce its power. So thank you. Yep. But we don't. No, we, we don't Go fear me. Go ahead, Florence. What did you say? No, I, I was reading something Mrs. Eddie had said uh, in page four of miscellaneous writings that thought imbued with purity, truth, and love, instructed in the science of metaphysical healing, is the most potent and desirable remedial agent on the earth. And I think that goes along with this. It does. Yep. And th this is the importance because if you're just always denying the error, and that's what this watching point is about, then in a way you're almost building it up. You, you've got to emphasize imbued with, with the thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And then, and then there's no room for anything to enter. And isn't that what Mrs. Eddy says and our leader says in miscellany to keep your thoughts so filled with the truth that there's no way that error can come to you. If you're so grateful, you're not going to get thoughts of envy, jealousy, grumpiness, whatever else. Right. Keep your conversation in line with the gospel of Christ. With the yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Because otherwise error will come in and bring all his friends. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and this is what leads to everlasting punishment. <laughs> you know, you you. Do it to yourself by indulging in these negative, hateful thoughts or by, yes, having conversation that's not in heaven, listening to it, whether it's in your own head or other people or news or um, and then speaking it yourself. This is we're given an instruction manual and we need to follow it. So, so it's really also living the science, right? It's really like really living it, making that your life so that then you have these right thoughts instead of the wrong thoughts. That's yes. Thank you. And, and when a wrong thought comes, a red flag should go up, a bell should ring, and you should cast it out. You should know this is not my thinking. This place has changed hands. Place that's Kimball. Huh? One of the go ahead. One of the things that uh, uh, Mary Baker Daddy said that helped me always coming to this science of the Christ because he said you have it as you leave it. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yep. You have it as you live it. You're not living it. You don't have it. It's just words. So don't be. Wonder why you're not having your healing if you're not living it. Gotta, gotta live it. All right, Jeremy, will you read the golden text? Yes. Uh, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Thank you. Now, there are a couple of things I want to give you. I know you're all familiar with it, but 
from Science and Health on this on this topic of chastisement, rebukes, um, where Mrs. Eddy says, and this is 570 and 571, um, many are willing to open the eyes of the people to the power of good resident in divine mind, but they are not so willing to point out the evil in human thought and expose evil's hidden mental ways of accomplishing iniquity. Why this backwardness? Since exposure is necessary to ensure the avoidance of this evil, because people like you better when you tell them their virtues than when you tell them their vices. It requires the spirit of our blessed master to tell a man his faults and so risk the displeasure for the sake of doing right and benefiting our race. Who is telling mankind of the foe in ambush? Is the informer one who sees the foe? If so, listen and be wise. Escape from evil and designate those as unfaithful stewards who have seen the danger and yet have given no warning. This is part of having the mind of Christ. It's not all the lightness and flowers. This part is very, very essential. And then she also says on pages eight and nine, we should examine ourselves and learn what is the affection and purpose of the heart. For in this way only can we learn what we honestly are. If a friend informs us of a fault, do we listen patiently to the rebuke and credit what is said? Do we not rather give thanks that we are not as other men? During many years, the author has been most grateful for merited rebuke. The wrong lies in unmerited censure in the falsehood which does no one any good. And that also goes on. And you must be able to know the difference. If you have a rebuke out of love to help you, then you take it and grow from it. If it's just, uh, you know, not, and it can stem from jealousy or trying to just a carnal mind, then, then you dismiss it like a water off a duck's back. Who's trying to speak? Nobody. Nobody. Okay. <laughs> All right. So um, I, I'd read, and I, I know I, I wrote about this in an article too, where uh, it was it was said that the pe- the pe- mainly why people don't get promoted in their work is their inability to take rebukes. They don't change. They justify what they do, and so they keep on keeping on in their old ruddy ways. And then they're jealous of other people who are doing things and growing. But they have refused to grow and change themselves. And that's why they're not promoted, why they stay in the same position or get fired from that position. So you don't want to be that way. You want to be able to take a rebuke and listen and be grateful. All right. Dardell, let's start with your contribution. Well, I started when I was thinking about this. Uh, The belief is... uh, that we have to think about the enduring, the good, and the true. These are everlasting. And then in my search, I found this, I thought, a terrific post from 2017. May I read it? Sure. Okay. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Quote, that's a quote. The only thing that is everlasting, that is the only thing that is everlasting, the only thing that is eternal, is the mercy of God. The idea that punishment can be everlasting 
or that damnation can be eternal is a human contrivance designed to control people through fear and guilt. When Jesus helped the adulterous woman, he told her uh, that uh, she was, he, he didn't condemn her, that, but she was to go and sin no more. Hence, the principle in science that once the sin ceases, the punishment ceases. Sin, a mistake, punishes itself. God does not do the punishing. Another quote. Divine love, God, corrects and governs man, science and health. And while the correction may feel like punishment, it is not God punishing you. It is truth correcting a mistake. And it will feel like punishment only so long as we keep the mistake. This is why it is essential that we take responsibility for every experience. We can't blame others or the government for our experience, but we can learn from our mistakes if we want to and grow in grace and be of use to God and mankind while we are here. And God blesses that. Thank God for Mrs. Eddy for seeing this so clearly and explaining it so well. Thank you. That's a good synopsis of Christian science, what, what we think about everlasting punishment. Mrs. Evans used to always like to call this lesson everlasting love. Um, <laughs> That's because it's, for most people, it's their favorite subject, right? Everlasting punishment. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely thought. But it's, but it's one of those subjects where Mrs. Eddy is debunking uh, old theology, old theological beliefs that people somehow believe in and, you know, and ruin their lives by believing in it. It's but, interesting how the Christians have not only believed in it strongly, but expanded upon it. <laughs> well, yeah. I had, or my daughter had someone approach her in, in Florida telling her all about hell and had this booklet of these awful images and it just really really turned her off it should as it should have yeah <laughs> so. really yeah i mean there's so many reasons that people run like rabbits from christianity you know we, so we ask for it yeah. so called we ask for it um but at the same time there there is this toughness and and Error will punish itself, and that's in the lesson most clearly, isn't it, in Science and Health, until you, until you relinquish it. All right, let's see now. We have Nancy and um, Karen who wrote about getting chastened. So, Nancy, you want to start? Sure. Um, well, I looked up chasten uh, in the Webster's Dictionary. It means to purify from errors or faults, afflicted for correction. And to scourge is to punish with severity, to afflict for sins or faults with the purpose of correction. So for whom the Lord loves means 
It is from God's overruling love that he disciplines a Christian. For God's love expresses itself in the protection and development of every Christian. Nothing escapes his care for his son. He desires every believer to become mature in faith and his experience. God's discipline flows from his love. He never disciplines from anger or bitterness. God's love both gives and withholds. And the believer's trial magnifies his love for us. That was from a Bible exposition. In retrospection and introspection, Mrs. Eddy writes, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Though the divine rebuke is effectual to the pulling down of sin's strongholds, it may stir the human heart to resist truth before this heart becomes obediently receptive to the heavenly discipline. If the Christian scientist recognizes the mingled sternness and gentleness which permeate justice and love, he will not scorn timely reproof, excuse me, but will so absorb it that this warning will be within him a spring welling up into unceasing spiritual rise and progress for our own good, I'm adding. Yes. <laughs> for our good. That's beautiful. That's retrospection and introspection. That yes. is so beautiful uh, to, to think about it. When you, you take the rebukes and you do change, uh, unceasing spiritual rise and progress. Well, on the other hand, if you refuse, if you have the adamant of error, self-will, self-love, self-justification, etc., you will you will stay in that spot and and turn around and turn around and and usually end up being very miserable and and hating your brother because that you see them progressing while you're not. But there's a reason you're not, <laughs> and you don't have to be that way because God didn't make you that way. So. And, and you know, Mrs. Eddie also somewhere else talks about how the, the lambs, you know, are, are carried in, but the sheep come under the rod. And as you grow in science, you have to come under that rod. And maybe your healings at first can be easy and you've got them quick and all, all of that when you first come. But after a while, you're going to have to grow and change. It, it's a demand. I have thought about this for so many years. And Mrs. Evans, you know, she was a wonderful healer. She did all kinds of healing work. But a lot of my healings were not overnight by any means. They took a while. I was required to do, to change. It's a requirement to put off the old man for the new. And this this idea of Christian scientists feeling that they are entitled has got to go. That's, I don't, I, did, did you read that anywhere in Mrs. Eddy's writings? Dear students, entitled. <laughs> I don't think so. Especially if you're the third or fourth generation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're, the really ones, entitled. they're the ones that are really, really entitled. Right, and very right. proud of it. I, I've inherited this science. Come on. <laughs> so that, that has got to go. Please. No. Well, after reading her biographies, how can anyone expect to just 
think that Christian science equates to smooth sailing. I mean, when was it ever smooth for Mrs. Eddy? Yeah, but they you haven't know, it Yeah. That is exactly right. That is why I think it was very wise of Herbert Rickey to say, along with all the other science and health prose works in the Bible, that you read a bi- one biography every year, at least one. It, it'll humble you to a great degree. And if anybody, you know, actually reads the textbook, they will find that she, she mentions many, many times. It's not a path of roses, <laughs> right? So she warns us. The bleeding footsteps. What does that mean? Exactly. That's a little hint, right? right. <laughs> but, but that doesn't mean that everybody should run from it because it's the greatest blessing in the world staying on this path. It's greatest blessing. It is the pearl of great price. So, life before science was difficult, but it also had no hope. You know, at least coming here, you have the hope. (laughs) So, and you have all the good that comes with it. Thank you, and that is true, and that's why we have our testimony meetings because you can remember what it was like. I remember. Sometimes I, I will go back in time and think about what it was like before I, and and even if when I thought I was a Christian scientist, but didn't really understand it, it was really awful. <laughs> Existence without God is awful. It's no wonder everyone's on drugs. Mm-hmm. There was one thing that stood out. In the, well, one thing, one of many things that stood out in the lesson but the term in the Bible, deceitful lusts, really resonated with me this week because I thought, you look at the world, and the world is full of deceitful lusts. It's all these things, you know, obviously not just like things that are sexual, but just like all the things that we chase after, material things that don't satisfy, don't make us happy, don't have, you know, most of the time don't lead anywhere good, don't make us better people. And yet so much time is spent in pursuit of those, whereas science teaches you to pursue something that, you know, truly satisfies the soul. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think, I think the more you you live the science, though, it helped me. The more you live it, really live it, the more your enticement for those things really drop off. They do. Thank you. Most definitely they do. And that's how it works. Um, because you can't will anything. It, 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 these things just drop away. They no longer interest you. Because you know what they will result in. Um, pain and tragedy and unhappiness. So who wants that? Well, and, and, and why not? Because isn't truth desirable? Isn't truth satisfying? And as we gain more of the truth and live more of the truth, we become more satisfied? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, if if that wasn't the case, God wouldn't be a good God, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) And and then you you bring heaven on earth, and you do have heaven on earth. And yes, we can have it. As in heaven, so on earth. 
we can have it here as we live this life. So it's a joy unspeakable and it's wonderful. And I've said this before, but I, I certainly determined one of my definitions of everlasting punishment is selfishness. It, using the science to make your own life better. Holy Moses, does that not work? The more you try to do that, the worse things become. <laughs> you can't, can't or maybe at the very beginning you can, but it doesn't last for very long. It is just one mess. You've got you've to have unselfish motives to help all mankind. Absolutely, whatever you can do to help others. That's the only way you'll ever be happy or learn the science. What was it? Job was healed when he prayed for his friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so, also the inspiration to, to do it more, I feel. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were talking about that this week to get up in the morning. And, and somebody asked me how I can keep doing this day after day. It's, no, it's not a problem at all. I love to do it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with it at all. I'm happy as a clam. So that's how it is. And I'm happy to get up in the morning. I didn't used to be. I was sick and depressed and a mess. Long, long time ago. Yes. It's Thank only you. the deceitful lust that claim that it would be difficult. That's run. that's right. Thank you. Deceitful saying that it is. So we don't want everlasting punishment and we don't have to have it. And we're discussing how. Now, Karen, you wrote a lot of things. If you want to pick part of it. Yeah, I'll just take out. Uh, yeah, they're um, from Gill's exposition on um, Psalms 94, 12 in the response to reading. Um, blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, much more happy now and hereafter than the proud, insulting persecutor of him. He is, a ch- he is chastened of the Lord that he might not be condemned with the world. He is chastened not in wrath, but in love, not with the chastisement of a cruel one, nor indeed of a magistrate or a master, but of a tender-hearted father who always does it for his profit and advantage, and therefore is he blessed or happy. For these chastenings are tokens of God's love, evidences of sonship, or of a man's being an adopted child of God, are for and do work for good, either temporal, spiritual, or eternal, and even in every sense. And besides, the Lord grants his presence in them, supports under them and teaches by them and then there are a few things he teaches them thereby their duty both to himself and all men which they have neglected and departed from he teaches many lessons of faith patience humility self-denial and submission to his will in the school of affliction here they learn much of god of his power and faithfulness truth goodness grace and love and of evangelical doctrines, of his everlasting love, the covenant of grace. And there's a little bit more. But then in the treasury of David, he says, the psalmist calls the chastened one a man in the best sense, using the Hebrew word, which implies strength. He is a man indeed who is under the teaching and training of the Lord. 
and teachest him out of thy law. The book and the rod, the law and the chastening, go together and are made doubly useful by being found in connection. Better far to lie and cry out as a man under the hand of our Heavenly Father than to roar and rave as a brute and to bring down upon himself a death blow from the destroyer of evil. The afflicted believer is under tuition. He is in training for something higher and better, and all that he meets with is working out his highest good. Therefore is he a blessed man, however much his outward circumstances may argue the reverse. Thank you. And then I have something from Candy about the unruly tongue. We are taught to dread an unruly tongue as one of the greatest evils. The affairs of mankind are thrown into confusion by the tongues of men. Every age of the world and every condition of life, private or public, affords examples of this. Hell has more to do in promoting the fire of the tongue than men generally think. And whenever men's tongues are employed in sinful ways, they set on fire of hell. No man can tame the tongue without divine grace and assistance. Pious and edifying language is the genuine practice of a sanctified heart. And none who understand Christianity expect to hear curses, lies, boastings, and revelings from a true believer's mouth. Any more than they look for the fruit of one tree from another. Then depending on divine grace, let us take heed to bless and curse not. And let us aim to be consistent in our words and actions. James is full of all of this, isn't it? And honestly, you see today, all of this talk, all of the media, I honestly, I don't even know what to believe is true or not anymore. And so I don't listen to it. If it doesn't line up with a Sermon on the Mount, what does it have to do with me or us or anybody? And um, anything that leads to division and fighting and war, no. How can that be? That's not of God. And who does it or why they do it, that's up to God to figure out. But we can know the malicious element will be in a lake of fire and a night without a star. We can know that. We can know it with all the power and might of God. And we're going to, before we end, we're going to talk more about this business of the woman in the apocalypse. Um, Can you say one thing about the Please do. It it seems that the danger, even broadcasters, is self-mesmerism that they run into just hearing themselves and, uh, and, and even leaving a semblance of the truth, but not the whole truth. And yes. Just, yeah, and it seems to be, <clears throat> be happening that way. If you can, uh, as soon as they stop, as soon as they can clear, see clearly, you know, just deal with the facts instead of opinions. Thank you. That's absolutely right. That's right. Which is why it's it's a waste of time or worse to listen to a broadcaster's opinion. Yeah, you exactly listen for a half hour and you have to spend an hour handling it. <laughs> exactly. And Mrs. Eddie says opinions are valueless. So you have to pray and ask God. And, and I have very strong feelings about most things, but. You know, I ask God what what it's about, because if you listen, 
to all of this. And as, as Craig just says, what they call it putting a spin on things. They put a spin on it. So, you know, and they exert certain things to get you to hate a certain person or to think that person's a terrible person. And most of it is all conjured up. So you have to be facts matter, as they say. <laughs> and but we can't spend all our days, you know, on the Internet trying to figure out who's who and what's what. So we have to ask God and he will tell us. And also facts matter. Results matter. See, see who's accomplishing what and who isn't. Yeah, yeah see what agendas are. Somebody's mm-hmm. agenda is to make you think oranges are great. They are going to say someone's crazy who says, I don't really care for oranges. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be like that all the time in the news. So this is. Then they, so, go ahead. And there's a great uh, wise quote that Jesus left by the fruits, you should know them. So mm-hmm. that's easy to say, you know, do what you just said so great. See what they're doing. By the fruits, you should know them. It's such a wonderful thing. I'm so grateful for that. Thank you. Absolutely. What are their fruits saying? And uh, otherwise, just look around and see what is going on under a certain person's administration. It'll tell you plenty. Okay? It'll tell you what you need to know. And just keep praying. But to listen... And and especially to this vitriolic stuff where there's all this hateful on both sides, does no one any good and divisive. No thanks. No thank you. Because people are not normally like that. People love each other, generally speaking. You have to be taught uh, to, to hate. It's not normal. So Carrie sent me a very good article called the sword of spirit, and it is how Jesus handled his antagonists. He said he did not argue with them. He never engaged in contentious dispute with those who opposed his mission. Think about it. He realized perhaps better than anyone before since the utter futility of trying to convince the carnal mind of spiritual facts. Mm-hmm. Consequently, Jesus answers his opponent's inquiries by stating his position authoritatively, often turning their questions upon themselves and framing his replies in so scientific a manner that his hearers were silenced, baffled for the moment. It is frequently said of him that before they could collect their thoughts for an answering attack, he left them, withdrew from the strife his words of truth had aroused, thus leaving Era to destroy himself to destroy itself. At other times it was said they marveled and left him and went their way, showing the might of truth to silence and remove discord. When his disciples came to him with a remark, knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? He recommended to them the same wise policy of non-combativeness, saying, let them alone They be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. That's in the lesson this week, isn't it? So, so anyway, we'll maybe post. Don't go down into the ditch with it. Don't go. Don't get arguing. You know, the the carnal mind cannot understand the things that are divine, and 
Many people do, though. They're not in the carnal mind. They're hungering for that truth. But others, and if the, if if you can tell, if you reach a brick wall, then then don't go there. Just put a blessing on them and go your way. And no, they'll be ready for it at some time because they will. They have to. They're God's child, too. Everyone is. Just keep loving. That's all. Love is the answer, always. Now... Another really good article that was sent, and I think we've discussed it before. It was by um, C.W. Chadwick. But it states, a certain one remarked to us, I repeat over and over again the scientific statement of being, but I can't understand it. (coughs) We replied, do you accept this statement as God's word or simply as Mrs. Eddy's opinion? The answer was, I accept it as Mrs. Eddy's statement. We replied, then you have not accepted Christian science as the revealed truth, but almost unconsciously are clinging to the belief that you really had an understanding of truth before science and health with key to the scriptures was given to the world. And this is the very thought that admits a failure to understand the scientific of being. This thought can only see Mrs. Eddy as a good woman personally rather than in her true light as the inspired author of Science and Health. Consequently, you fail to discern the new idea, not having made room for it to come in. This is very important. Now, knowing as we do and as we've talked about that she's the woman in the apocalypse, it gives great meaning, greater meaning to Science and Health the very word of God, and you can wield it against the red dragon itself. No problem here. If you think it's just a good woman and, you know, good ideas and yeah, well, then you will be cut to shreds. Yeah, you have no room at your end for the Christ child. You have no room, yes. So you practice this this week. You say that scientific statement of being knowing it has the all power of God, it's divine authority, and the hell you say to anything else. And you will see the difference it makes. It makes a huge difference. And that's why acknowledging her for who and what she is is so very important. And and not, not only the scientific statement of being, the whole book, everything, the word of God, and people who have initially seen it that way, like Benjamin, who read it for the first time in Nigeria and said, no, no person could write this book. He knew it immediately. We all should have this in us. And I will, I will, I can't remember what I said last week, but this, these were a couple important things to go over. And one was in Mrs. Eddy's place, which was written by the Christian Science Board of Directors in, what, 1943. After they researched thoroughly, they came to the conclusion, yes, she was the woman in the apocalypse. And in that, and this is very important because this is important to today and why we don't have better success and why using this we will have tremendous success. This recognition, I'm quoting in this booklet, of her true status enabled her to withstand the opposition directed against her by the dragon, malicious animal magnetism, 
She was touchingly grateful to those who saw her as the woman of prophecy and who therefore, therefore trusted, obeyed, and supported her in her mission. The same recognition is equally vital to our movement, for demonstration is the result of vision. The collecting of this indisputable evidence of our leader's own view of herself and of her mission marks a great step forward. Wisely utilized, this evidence will stimulate and stabilize the growth of Christian scientists today and in succeeding generations. It will establish unity in the field with regard to the vital question of our leader's relation to scriptural prophecy. And they didn't do it. They reneged on all of this, which is why we have such a mess today, which is why we, <laughs> or the remnant, are going to carry it on with clarity and great purpose. And also, Tom gave me a quote that I had never heard before, Tom from New York, which speaks to this. Mrs. Eddy's letter to Mrs. Emily Holland in her handwriting, not dated. Quote, if a student holds the true sense of me, they will progress under all circumstances, and evil will not get control of them. It specifically handles evil, malicious animal magnetism, the red dragon. This understanding has great power. It must be understood. You know, you can't just blindly accept it. Carol said she knew it as a child, right? Yes. Really, the first time I ever heard of, of I, I came to Christian Science. I was about eight years old, so I was not a, an infant. And first time I heard about the woman in the apocalypse, I said, oh, that's Mrs. Eddy. Mm -hmm. it, it's just so clear. <laughs> you can't deny it. The, the little book and all that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yes. And at the time... And it was actually, she was being hit by the Woodbury law case. Nancy Bouchon clarified that. And she could, what, she's in the middle, they're trying to prove she's crazy. So she's not going to say, hey, guys, I'm the woman in the apocalypse. They would put her away. <laughs> she couldn't say it then. But in this uh, very well-written document by end time they said she never denied it she sidestepped it but she never denied it and sidestepping is very different than denying it so in this by end time they weren't ready to hear it. they were not ready it wasn't the right time and she withdrew like jesus did. oh absolutely mm -hmm. the yes. world would have thrown reared up against her you know incredibly and she knew it and God knew it. God wouldn't allow that to happen. And it was it was prophesied it would come during the 40s, which it did. Um, but it was only accepted for a short time. And now they've totally reneged it. You can't you can't get that pamphlet. So all of you who are listening, who have this information, these books, certainly um, Bliss Naps, the Destiny of of the Mother Church, keep them, leave them, do not get rid of them if you can get them from your reading rooms do because they're being collected wiped out and and they're trying to get rid of them all this is a quote from the end time which is very interesting although the directors repudiated which means refuse to accept or be associated with 
1943 position, they have not yet replaced it with an official, easy-to-understand statement. Well, they have now, because this month in the journal, they have stated what they think in the October journal that was sent to me by Nancy Bouchon again, that says they don't, they want all these books, that she's not the woman in the apocalypse. And then it says, in the December 1977 issue of the Christian Science Journal, page 721, there is a statement from the directors regarding the concluding volume of the Mary Baker Eddy trilogy, which is the Robert Peel books, in which they say, all three of these books were written as independent ventures, not commissioned or subsidized by the Mother Church, end quote. This was, of course, to protect themselves in the event of any questions of doctrinal conflict. However, the book was authorized by their directors and the biographies by Sybil Wilbur, Lyman Powell, Irving Tomlinson, and others were allowed to go out of print. Those were the ones who knew who and what she was and, and spoke to it. Most of them also lived during her time, so they knew her. Also, of course, the Bliss Knapp book. And the Peel Trilogy was promoted as the official church biography of Mrs. Eddy. Da-da-da-da. Okay, and as we've talked about, and as the Smiley books so beautifully state, humanize her. And they don't see who and what she is. And along with that, uh, Tony's website, who is Mrs. Eddy, and also he, he has published or had made these beautiful bookmarks with the woman on the apocalypse, the stained glass window of that beautifully done um, in a bookmark advertising his his website and also on the back ours. Um, you will be getting them if you order a calendar. We're going to hand them out to people so you can see them and think about it and appreciate who and what she is. Because um, there is, I guess it's the Mother Church. I'm not sure which one. Do you know, Tony? Is he there? Um, I'm here. Is, there's a beautiful stained glass window of Mrs. Eddy. In the original. In the original. And the original, most yeah, that's the original. Yeah, we I took that when I, when we were up in Boston all those years ago. Woman God crowned. That's the name of the stained glass. Woman God crowned. Wow, thank you, yeah. Mary. I think you said this already, but um, in Bliss book, it points to a June fifth, nineteen forty three Sentinel article, which included it says quote, a six-point statement by the board of directors describing the position of the Mother Church as to Zetti's place in the fulfillment of rival prophecy. And, and then it says, these six paragraphs, Mr. Knapp called masterful and most heartening, and Ella Knapp called them epoch-making. So clearly, it yeah. sounds to me, they were saying yes at that point. Oh, absolutely. And that was what I kept referring to. 1943, that pamphlet. This is Eddie's. Yes. Quite a few here. Yeah, we have a few here. Uh, it's it's under copyright, but that's what we're referring to. They they studied it long and hard. They came up with this. So absolutely, yeah. yes. And that yeah. was the board of directors in 1943. Mrs. Yeah. Mrs. 
Evans used to tell us that the downfall came during the 40s pretty rapidly. And those who Zeddy at that, you know, originally were beginning to pass on. And and then this total control by the BOD, 1977, they were suing us. Um, all of this was going on. So very important you know this history. And it is time to end now. So Gary will read. Uh, Mary? Yeah, go ahead. Just before we, we end, because I am... I really am trying to compile and put all the information on who is Mary Baker Eddy.com. If anyone has a book or an article, anything that speaks to who she is or is really meaningful, we really, I, I really do need to really know what that is so we can pray over it and, and present it. So since you're mentioning it, I, I'd like to tag on and say we, that needs to be brought to my attention or the church's attention so it can be brought to mine. Because I can't research everything. I, I, it, I could use, you know, help with that. Thank you. That's why all of you are so helpful and you're spread out really among the world now can find things and bring things to us. And you do. And I'm so grateful. And anyone, anyone who opposes this, fine, oppose it all you want, but do not. <laughs> but just don't expect <laughs> Don't, don't expect, expect Christian science to work for you because you don't understand it at all. And yes. And don't try to work against us because that would be very, very okay. bad. Not because I believe in malpractice, but because I know what God is doing in this church and God protects his own and he protects his anointed. So please don't go on your way. Do whatever you want to. But do not work against this for very, your own sake. For your own sake. For your own sake, stay away. Okay, That's well, why the Bible has so many woes in it. This is an article by William P. McKenzie uh, from the 1902 uh, issue. Peace. Peace is the stillness of heart when fear is gone. Technically, it means the absence or cessation of war. But there is also the thought of reconciliation between foes suggested. Enmity and strife have given place to friendship and concord when peace is established. When there is peace in the heart, the peace of God which passeth all understanding, the man can no more be agitated by fear, disturbed by doubt, inflamed by passion, or aroused to anger. He is master of the disturbing elements. He is able to receive the word, be still, and know that I am God. More than that, he is actively engaged in establishing the concord of love. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. It is indeed a royal privilege to be a peacemaker to work out reconciliations between men, to prove them to be at one with love, and so establish the atonement between God and man. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. End Thank, quote. You. Thank you. And, you know, that was one thing it stated in that pamphlet about Mrs. Eddy's place. Knowing this would bring unity and peace. And that's what we're 
after. So thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. 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 Thank